Hey everybody and welcome to a new episode of FanRag Sports Premier League Podcast with me, Sebastian Noren. I'm joined by Polly Questel. Elliot is somewhere in the jungles of Costa Rica, so he will not be joining us today. We'll see if we can get him on for next show. I don't I don't know the Wi-Fi re- reliability out yeah, in the jungle. Being like, oh, I'll be here. Maybe there's Wi-Fi, yeah. but I don't know. And then when the day comes, he's like, nope, there's no. go on without me. Yeah, no. He broke up last episode. He was, you know, in a place that had Wi-Fi, but it wasn't very good. Now he's out in the jungle somewhere chasing monkeys or whatever. I have no idea what he's doing. Hiking. He seems like a hiker. Oh, his excuse guy. today was fantastic, though. Like, his excuse when he was like, oh, I should be able to make it. And then he's like, actually, we'll probably miss the boat. Yes, the boat out in the jungle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you're stuck with us, too. But we'll we'll make do. We'll make do. We'll take a look at what happened at match day 21. Like, there's nothing There's nothing to rip on Arsenal about this week. So. No, they, they took care of business, took a... Uh, Nice little uh, four nothing win there over Swansea on the road, so you can't complain there. And um, yeah, I don't know. Seems like uh, they'll figure things out with Sanchez and Etzel sooner or later. So yeah, no Arsenal hate, I guess. Although yeah, I... no, they just, their their issue their issue right now is is Arsene Wenger. That's really what the issue is. Arsene Wenger needs to make a decision as to what he's doing because Ozil has already come out and said, uh, I'm not signing on until I know that Arsene Wenger is going to be here. And like right there, that's that's like your big, all right, well, we know X can't happen until Y happens, mm-hmm. so let's focus on making Y, happens, y happen because Z, let's be honest, Z probably won't happen unless Y happens also. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the puzzle is becoming... The puzzle's becoming clear now. It's like you need to you need to get the torso in place so that you could put the arms on, if that makes any sense whatsoever. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. No, but it's true, and I understand him too that, you know, do you really want to sign on? Because you would assume that it would be a four- or five-year deal that he would sign, and do you really want to do that if you're going to be in transition and have Wenger leave and then have someone else coming in? You know, we saw how that went at Manchester United after Sir, Wait, Sir was, Alex left. So that was exactly what I was about to say. Is you don't know who the manager's going to be, and for all you know, maybe it'll be somebody that you respect and are willing to play for. You know, when Louis Van Hall came in, the United players respected him and were willing to play for him, and then it turned out to not be a good fit. So mm-hmm. they weren't so happy. But Jose Mourinho came in, and the players at least respected him. But the players didn't respect. David Moyes when he came in and it was obvious because David Moyes was given God only knows how much money to sign people and he couldn't sign anybody. And the players that were there, they all tried to leave, you know, like real Ferdinand was like, F this, I'd rather go to QPR and retire. Nemanja Vidic went to Inter, Patrice ever left, you know, like all these players just fled after David Moyes came in because the people didn't respect him. And who's not to say that that doesn't happen at, at Arsenal. You know, a lot of people, right now we're tipping Eddie Howe to be the manager of Arsenal, the next mm-hmm. manager of Arsenal. And I mean, cool. It's like, you already know who your manager is going to be sweet. Like we knew David Moyes was going to be the next Manchester United manager for like six years before it actually happened. It was so obvious. It was going to be David Moyes. And what you learn is 
there's there may be a difference between firing up the troops, but you know, Eddie Howe is firing up these players to stay in the Premier League and to get to the Premier League. What does he do now when he gets stars? He's never had that experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's get into some of the other games here. We saw Tottenham open up the weekend with a 4-0 win over West Bromwich Albion. Uh, Spurs playing really well in this one. You know, sort of a nice stroll in the park and Harry Kane got a hat-trick. So uh, Kane is back in full form, if there was any doubt. And he's, um, he's, I mean... It's, uh, let me see how many goals. Didn't he, he do this last year though too? Like, didn't he start off the year slow? Yes. So he started. All right. So like, he's de- he's developing an mo, and that's he started off slow. Remember, he was completely out of gas last year, and the same thing's going to happen this year. But uh, like, Spurs just don't have a second striker, and nope. they really didn't have a second striker last year because Sun Hyung Ming was awful, except for like in September. Well, he's so, not a striker, so right. So. They literally had to rely on Kane every day. And then he goes to England where England, he goes to the Euros where England has to rely on Kane. So he's just, and by the, by the time the summer rolled around, he was exhausted. He comes into the season. He's still not, he's still exhausted, gets off to a slow start, gets injured. And now he's back and voila, boom. Suddenly he's back to being Harry Kane. Yeah. He's got 13 goals now. It's literally like Harry Kane doesn't go away like this. I think people were waiting to like for some reason. I feel like almost people were be, maybe it's because he's English and he was anointed as the next big English striker that people are waiting to tear him down. It's almost like last season when we just kept pushing the goalposts back on Leicester. Like, let's see them get through the, get through the festive period. Mm. All right. Like January is a tough month. All right. They have the gauntlet of, of city Arsenal, Liverpool in February. Let's see them get through there. It's almost like we are doing that to Harry Kane every year. It's like, all right, like let's see him avoid the sophomore slump. Or, all right, now, you know, he went to the Euros. Or can he keep doing it? It's, he's, he keeps doing it. Like, he just – the problem is, is that Tottenham have run him into the ground year after year. And they tried to alleviate that by signing Jensen this year. But, you know, Jensen can't hit the, the wide side of a barn. Nope. No, that's true. Yeah, Spurs in fine form. They're up in second place now, seven points behind Chelsea. Took a and Deli Ali, yes, took Ali a while to get going because I mean Deli Ali is some eighteen-year-old kid who played in League One. You throw him into the Premier League, and within like three weeks, he's a starter. And he played the whole year, and then by six months in, he's a starter for England. So then he goes to France, like you know, it's all. And we saw the same thing, and and Didier Deschamps said it about Anthony Martial. He was like, "I wanted to use him in the Euros. He was just exhausted. Mm-hmm. You know, like he." He played every game for Manchester United, which was dumb. And I said it last year at the time that, like, that Louis Van Hall was just going to run him into the ground and he shouldn't be playing every game. Kane, Ali, Martial, these guys were teenagers. They played every game. Then they went to the Euros where they were supposed to be starters. Yeah. It's, it's not surprising that they got off to a slow start. And it's unfortunate that they got off to a slow start because now we are seeing just how good Tottenham are because that defense is still as stingy as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what ultimately really sets this team apart is Tottenham fans were making jokes before, you know, during the festive period, they were, they were looking at everything and they said, you know what? Everything's falling into place. We're definitely going to beat Chelsea. 
Like, I know we're going to beat Chelsea. You know we're going to beat Chelsea. I think the players know that we're going to beat Chelsea. And that's why we're going to lose to Watford three days before that because the players are already going to be looking to Chelsea. Mm. And they didn't lose to Watford. And then they go and they beat Chelsea. And, you know, Tottenham have done this year after year after year after year. They go and they win that big game. And then they get West Brom at home and it, and they lose. And I think every Tottenham fan was expecting that other shoe to drop this week. And boom, 4 nil. Not even a, wow, we squeaked out a 1-0 because, God, like, you know, Spurs, they can never make it easy. No, they, they slaughtered them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they played really, Just really the well. anti-Tottenham. Yep. You know, there's a reason that that's so Spursy is a saying that exists. Yes. And they slaughtered them here. They made a point. They won in the FA Cup, which is a tournament that they usually, like, bounce out of in the third or fourth round. They beat Chelsea. They win in the FA Cup. They slaughtered West Brom. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are seven points behind Chelsea, who defeated reigning champions Leicester City 3-0 at King Power Stadium without Diego Costa. This was the big talking point ahead of this game. Uh, happened after we recorded our last show. Uh, Diego Costa not in the squad for Chelsea. There was rumors on one hand that he was just a little sore. He had some back pain. On the other hand, there there was reports that he'd had sort of a row with Conte and over a potential bid from China. But Chelsea, they go out, they handedly beat Leicester without him, 3 nothing. Marcos Alonso comes up with two goals, and then Pedro scored the third one. Um, what do you make of the whole Costa situation? Well, I was just going to ask you, what do you believe? is the case here. I mean, I think it's just that he's sore. I mean, he we know he's not... He has some injury troubles every once in a while. He's had a lot of problems with his hamstrings. That has reportedly, you know, made it so that he has some back pain. And I can understand that. Uh, at the same time, the players that are being tempted by these humongous amounts of money from China are South Americans. And yes, I know Diego Costa plays for Spain, but he's born in Brazil. Right. Well, the reason that the reason that the ones that are tempted by, and we discussed this last, last episode when we were discussing MLS, the reason that it's the South Americans that are getting tempted is because they don't have the attachment to the champions league that everybody else has. No. And the fact is too, that a lot of these players come from very poor backgrounds too. That I think that, but I think, but yeah, but like, all right, come on, you if you're gonna make 16 million in England and you're gonna make 25 million like in China, you know, 16 million is enough to move your family out of poverty. Yes, back home. Oh, absolutely, it's, but it's still a lot of money, and I think that that can sway a lot of these players to right, go to China. What, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is. The European players, they dream of playing in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. So they can look at it and say, you know what? $12 million in England, I'm okay with that, as opposed to uh, making $21 million in China. Yeah, I don't see a guy like Harry Kane going to China. Right. It's it's the same thing. It's it's it, it, I always use the example as like, you know, when the KHL came around, they were throwing money at stars. And I was mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter, though, because you can't win the Stanley Cup in the KHL. Nope. You know, all these players dream of winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, and even they're, they're even Russians that dream of winning the Stanley Cup. They're yeah. European players that dream of winning the Stanley Cup. So the KHL can throw so much money at you, but they can't offer you that. So, 
yeah, they like I don't think South American players grew up being like I I want to win the European Champions League one day. I think mm-hmm. they were just like I want to play and win the World Cup and make a lot of money and yeah. China's going to offer them a lot of money. Yeah. No, that that's that's so true and like you said with the KHL, yeah, I mean they they do attract some talent, but it's not anywhere near the NHL. Not anywhere. It's not even close. But like the and but and to Right, and to your point, like they, they attract some talent. They attract like the people that they essentially attract are are essentially what MLS attracts. Like, oh, you can come and play at home and make a, a lot of money. Like they attract the Michael Bradleys. Ilya Kovalchuk is like, all right, I played in the NHL, made a lot of money. Now I can go and make a boatload of money and play at home. Yeah. The same way that like Michael Bradley can come back to MLS and play in Canada yeah. uh, for a lot of money. But Back to Diego Acosta. This is the most overblown story ever. And this is just the example of like one small thing happens. And because because the English media, especially last week when we only had League Cup action, so that like the only teams that really were in the in action in the middle of the week were United and Liverpool. So everybody else kind of had a week off. Yeah. So the media has no access to any of these teams in England. So as soon as one little tidbit comes out, they need to rush and get throw out a million theories, throw out all these different things. This is the most overblown thing. I think what happened was because apparently what happened was there was a row between a row, the whatever uh, uh, argument mm-hmm. between Diego Costa and the fitness coach or something. Yes. And you know what? I think that's true. I think they proud that probably was the case and uh Conte just said all right you know what I'm gonna make a point out of this and not only are you not gonna play like you're not gonna be in the squad you're not gonna travel to Leicester with us to Leicester with us no because he didn't train right so you're just not gonna play one day and then there happened to be like a big time offer whether Diego Costa's mulling it over or not Roman Abramovich came right out and said we're not selling him Mm -hmm. so right there you're it's like done, done. It's it's done. And he probably got into an argument and Conte probably said, I'm going to make a point out of this and you're just not going to play. But while everybody was focused on, on oh, Chelsea are without Diego Costa, who, you know, he missed like, a, he missed the game a couple weeks ago and they were fine in that game. Leicester, one, have been crap this year. Mm-hmm. We know that. Two is, we said this before the game, is Leicester or Chelsea were not going to be as dumb as City were and play into Leicester's hands. No. As much as you might want them to. Uh, two. Or that's... No, number three. Leicester were missing three players too. One of which, Rian Mares. No one focused on that. Nope. Yeah, I mean, that, that's missing, tough for them being in without him. Right. They're missing Rian Mares and Islam Salmani, uh, who are And they're also missing Daniel Am- Amarty. Uh, all of them at the African Cup of Nations. Uh, yeah, like if I was Conte, I'd be like, I'm pretty confident that Leicester definitely without Mars because Vardy's doing crap all this year. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm confident that I can make a point out of Diego Costa uh, not traveling with the squad this week. Like, l- let's be honest. If Diego Costa was 80% fit and they were playing at Anfield this weekend, Diego Costa would have been on the bench. Mm-hmm. Like, if he would have said, I don't know if you could start, but, like, you're definitely going to be on the bench because you can give me a half hour, he would have been on the bench. But it was Leicester without their best player? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Conte was just like, I'm going to make a point out of this because I can afford to. The most overblown story ever. Mm-hmm. 
another team that w- was without one of their stars. That was West Ham. Uh, their situation with Dimitri Payet. Uh, Payet refusing to play. Uh, they took a 3-0 win at home over Crystal Palace. They looked fine. I know it's Palace and they've been struggling. But West Ham looked good in this game. Uh, three goals in the second half. Uh, Faguli, Carroll and Lanzini. Carroll with one heck of a strike. I don't know if you saw yeah, this one. Yeah, it was one. nice. Yeah. I did. I did. It was nice. It was really um, nice. And then, of course, the social media people get on it, and they're like, oh, who had the best goal of 2017 so far? Like, Giroud or Carroll? And it's like, yo, get, get out of here. Like, <laughs> no, Giroud's goal is still Giroud's better. Giroud's was better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, cool. Cool. Like, we've seen – We've seen like scissor kicks before. Yep. Like that was really nice, but like I've I've seen the Giroud goal twice. <laughs> yep. No, that's true. Yeah. So Dimitri Payet, he says he wants to go back to Marseille for family reasons. Yeah. No, that's crap. That's crap. Uh, Marseille. Why is it crap all? Uh, you know, it's just your family wasn't having any issues last year when. You were when you were all of a sudden having a season of your life, and you were playing your way into the French squad right as the Euros were coming and be and about to be played in France. Your family wasn't having any issues last year. Uh, it, it just it seems it seems like a, a convenient excuse, like he's blaming them. I mean, he says that his family are. Struggling to adapt to life in London. Right, but that, okay, that, see right there though, like you've been in London for over a year. You've been in London for over a year. Like at this point, like you've adapted. You you did. Like, like what, like it, you would have known that your family was struggling to adapt four, six months in. And if they were struggling to adapt, why last year were you, you last year you were probably just like, oh no, shut up wife, shut up kids. I'm having a great year and I'm playing my way back into the French squad. Okay. Yeah. But a year and a half later, you're like, oh, well now my team sucks. Okay. Like, well, he says he wants to go back to Marseille. Marseille, they have put in an offer of, I think it was just over 19 million pounds. West Ham said, forget about it. Uh, reports are that they won't consider anything under 30 million pounds. Um, which I want to say, how much did they? I got a Google list, but I want to say they paid like nine to get him. Right. Also, it's like, can you be thankful that, that like you've had this talent for a long time and Slavin Bilic has gotten it out of you? Like Slavin Bilic has helped you become the Let's best see. that you could become. That and not okay. only did you have an awesome season in the Premier League last year, but you carried France for two games in the Euros. Yeah. And Ten, that's all. 10.7 million. So, I mean, they would make a good chunk of change on him. If yeah, they, they would. Was... But, like, I mean, but, but again, 9 million in the Premier League these, these days isn't as much as 9 million was two years ago. No, I mean, if they sell him for 30, then yeah, they would uh, make about 20. Even 20 isn't as much as it was two years ago. No. no. But, I mean, look look at it this way. I mean, when does... No, I, I mean, it's a, it's a weird situation because he, he signed a new contract partway through last season. So if it's like you say... Okay. If the... But again, Slavon Bilic helped get all this talent out of him. Slavon Bilic helped... 
have helped him have an unbelievable season in the Premier League, which made him a starter for France in the Euros. In the Euros, mm-hmm. uh, where he carried France for two games. Then he stuck, you know, he's sticking around because he wants to be like the face of West Ham as they move into this new stadium. Yeah. Turns out that stadium sucks. And all the allure of West Ham has kind of worn off. What do you mean? You don't and, like you don't like a track around your pitch? No, I don't. I'm not a big fan of that. God, I hate um, it. Ugh. All um, the allure of West Ham has kind of worn off. And he's like, well, now this is difficult. And what is he playing for this year? What is he playing for this year? Nothing really. All right. Like France are sitting at the top of their group in, in world cup qualifying. They are, they play one more game in world cup qualifying between now and the end of the premier league season. And that is away to Luxembourg. Mm. Tricky fixture. Yeah. Tricky fixture. Whether <laughs> Dimitri Payet is a starter in that game or not. And like, and you know, that's a question because France only have about 17 people that they can use on the wing that are interchangeable because they're all amazing. Yep. Whether he's a starter or not, France going to win that game. So by the end of the Premier League season, he's going to, France will be on 13 points at the Netherlands who play Luxembourg in June. They will, and play Bulgaria. They play Luxembourg at home in June, and they play Bulgaria in March. They'll probably be even with them with with 13 points. But, like, what I'm saying is this season, he isn't playing for anything. Next season, he'll be playing to, you know, be a starter for France in the World Cup because France are going to make it. This season, he's got nothing. So it's it's, you know, oh, life is difficult for me, and... Now some like now somebody else is willing to offer me a big contract. Oh, like let me see if I can get out of it and make like you know it, it's it's kind of like taking the easy way out. Well, he I mean they said he would make less if he goes back to Marseille. It would take like twenty five percent pay cut. Uh, I yeah. I mean if he goes back to Marseille, that's fine. But if he ends up right, going you're, going you're, to you're looking at. You're looking at inflated numbers. Like, like look at what, like, look at what he did in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Look at what he did in the Premier League. Like, you know, let's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use your guy for this. Let's look at Zlatan, who's okay. having a fantastic season. Yeah. He's having a fantastic season. He's got like 13 goals. He's got like 14 goals. 14 goals, and that's a fantastic season. You know, if this was last year when he was playing in France. You know, at this time last year, he had like 31. Yeah. So, like, Dimitri Pye, playing really well. If you went to France, it would be like, well, I have 21 goals. How can you not start me in the World Cup? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it just seems, it just seems like he's, he's like, oh, like, I don't want to challenge myself right now. And if I go to France, then I'll just look really good and they'll have to start me. That might be the case. Yeah. Well- but also, I mean, you also remember, like, at the start of the season, because last year was such an aberration, it looked like West Ham were going to be able to compete, and then it was like, oh no, wait a minute, we have six really freaking good teams, mm-hmm. and everybody else is kind of a drop off. Yep, but I think it's stronger than though to go out and win without him, and I mean Andy Carroll said afterwards like no one's you know bigger than the team, so right. I, I don't know how how big of a a big of a rift it is between Paya now and the rest of the squad too, because that could really screw things up too. I mean, do you read, did you ever read Bill Simmons? No. 
Bill Simmons had this thing called the Ewing theory where uh, it was based on it was based on the Knicks and how they had Patrick Ewing, superstar center. Mm-hmm. They never they like always seemed to be just on the cusp of winning with him, but they would never win. And then like towards the latter end of his career, he would get injured. And then it seemed like whenever he got injured, the team played better without him. And he had this, so he called it the Ewing theory of like, when a team was built around like a player who was the perceived superstar, who would always have them on the cusp of winning. And then all of a sudden that player would either get hurt or he would leave. And the team would then go and do better without him and and go on to win. So like the big example that he used was the Giants with uh, Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber was their big running back, their big star. He retires, and then the following year they go and they win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week I, you know, I was talking to my friends and I said, "Look, it's like I was like West Ham can't win at home. Crystal Palace they're decent. I kind of love Crystal Palace to win this game, especially because West Ham don't have Pyatt." I said, "But I wouldn't, you know, like be careful betting on this game in case West Ham go Ewing theory without." Dimitri Pye. I mean, there's examples of it all over sports. And, you know, that's what they're doing. It's, you know, sometimes it's like you do better off with that without your guy who thinks he's the team. Mm-hmm. Well, not even that, but I mean, it, it's not so much that he's the team, but other players might look to him too much, you know, like, oh, right. we've got to give Pye the ball so something happens, you know? Uh, but yeah, they did really well. I know it's only against Crystal I mean, Palace and they've been struggling. Not even, it's not even so something happens. It's sometimes it's like, Sometimes it's like, let me get him the ball so, like, you know, to make something happen. Mm-hmm. It's because it happens in hockey sometimes. Like, like when I'm playing and I'm on, I'm on a line with somebody, I got the puck and I go, where's this guy? Because I'm going to give it to him to make something happen. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy, I'll make something happen. Not, not so much myself, but that guy, I'll make something happen. Versus when he's not on the ice with me, I'll take it and I'll be like, well, you know, we don't have our superstar on the ice. So, like, I'll take the puck and try to make something happen. You try to do your best Rick Nash impression. I, I do that. I I play a two hundred <laughs> foot game and I don't score goals. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Crystal Palace though, still without a win under Big Sam. They're dangling right above the drop zone. They're tied on points with Hull. Okay, that's safe. Uh, Hull took a three to one win over Bournemouth. Did not see that one coming. What? Yep. I thought Bournemouth was up like 1-0 with like 8, like in stoppage time. Nope. Uh, Bournemouth Maybe jumped up. Yeah, no, they jumped up to an early lead. Uh, Junior Stanislas scored on a penalty three minutes in. Then yeah. Abel, Abel Hernandez. Oh, yeah, they tied it up. I yeah. didn't know they won three. Jeez. Scored in the 32nd and the 50th minute. And then uh, Tyron Minks got an own goal in the 62nd. So, big, big win for Hull there and their new manager, Marco Silva. All right. Does Marco Silva get people out of the uh, relegation zone the way? Oh, uh, I don't know. The way Big Sam does? I don't know. He doesn't have that. I mean, he doesn't really have that long of a career. I was sort of surprised when when he got the job. He spent like two or three seasons at Estoril. Uh, in Portugal, and then he one season at Sporting and one season at Olympiacos. 
I feel like I'm making up words now. No. So, um, yeah, 39 years old, didn't have much of a playing career. Spent most of it in Estoril before he took over as manager. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's a, it's a gutsy hire. That's for sure. I mean, it's not at least it's not the merry-go-round, right? Yeah, no, it's always good to get off the merry-go-round. I I would I was thinking the merry-go-round today because it's like uh I saw something that like the Redskins were ready to to interview like Rob Ryan for their defensive coordinator position and mm. it's Rob Ryan hasn't been a good defensive coordinator in like 7 years. And all I could think about was like the Premier League where it's like you haven't been a good manager since 2006, like oh, we'll still take you. Mm. Uh, one of the most shocking results of the weekend that was Everton slapping City in the face, taking a four nothing win at Goodison Park, and looking pretty damn good doing it as well. Um, There's my pep theory at work. I mean, his you know I I wrote about this on the site, and I, I really felt like his system was exposed in this game. The whole trying to play out from the back. It just invites team to pressure you up high and Everton did when your it to perfection. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like bad. Like when I I feel like at the end of this at the end of the season, City fans are gonna look at their manager and be like, We would have been much better off with Joe Hart. Oh yeah. I mean I do I'm I I gotta be honest, I'm not following Hart too closely in Torino. I don't care. Like I know, look, I'm not a. I think England would be better off moving on from Joe Hart. Joe Hart's a better keeper than Claudio Bravo. Like, yeah. oh, okay, Claudio Bravo could pass. Cool. Like, I want my goal. Like my, I would love my goalkeeper to stop shots first. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, like that was that was always the thing about David de Gea. Like when, like his, he started off so slow at United, like so slow. But he was always really good at stopping shots. Yeah, well, and that everything else, everything else has grown from there. I feel like uh, in De Gea's case, it was a lot of him just getting used to the physicality, really, because he was getting bossed around in the box. Right, but he was getting bossed around in the box, and he was misjudging crosses. Like mm-hmm. you know, when you crossed it in, that was wrong. But when you stopped, like when you shot, he stopped it. Yeah. So right there, that's what I want. I want that as your base and everything else you can improve on. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, Claudio Bravo plays with his feet. Cool. But, like, I'd rather my goalkeeper stop shots and then learn how to play from his feet. Yeah. Like, and then, but then you also. I don't like Sergio Romero. I don't like Sergio Romero, but, like, say what you like, say what you want about him. The yeah. guy stops shots. Mm-hmm. He's terrible with his feet, but he stops shots. Yeah. Yeah, and looking at the the you know their defense too. Yes, John Stones, he's a promising young defender, but he still makes a lot of mistakes. And Nicolas Otamendi is more of a stopper. He's not very good at building up play from the back. And you know they played with Clichy and and Bakary Sagna on the you know on left and right defense, and those two just poor poor performance really. Well. I mean, I, I again, I I missed this game. I was kind of asleep. I was getting texts about it, and my friend sends a text that goes, "Paulie's pep theory." And my pep theory, if you if you remember back in February or March, I wrote about it and I said, "Let's not anoint Pep as like a great manager in the Premier League so far. Like he's 
He's waltzed through his career so far, and I think he's going to struggle when he gets to England. My friend was like, oh, that theory's on the cool throne, which means, oh, it's, it's you know, it's cooking. It might be right. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, no one's challenging that theory right now because, again, like what is every at a certain everybody keeps making excuses to pet for Pep like you know he has to adapt to England or something. It's January, dude. Yeah. If you were a great manager, you would have adapted already. And I mean, look, like, look. And the thing is too that if you compare the defense that he had at Barcelona, where you had, you know, let's say most often you had Alves, Pique, Puyol, Abidal. All four plays really good in their passing game. And then you had Valdez, who's also good with his feet. I think you're looking at it wrong. Well, I'm I mean, not, I'm, not... I, I, I'm saying that that is a weakness in this side, though. It is the defense. They have good players going forward, but that defense is not good enough to play right, but... Guardiola's system. Right, but like also Guardiola's system... I mean, what is it? Because everybody keeps saying, oh, he's still adapting to England. He's still adapting to England. It's like, you still have an unbelievable midfield. It's not like it's not like they lost this game 4-3. Well, he's not adapting, though. That's that's the main thing. Right. He's, he's sticking but, the head in the sand and going, he's like, okay, we're doing this my way. Right, but but like what, but you just pointed out, like, oh, okay, look at the defenders he had at, at mm-hmm. Barcelona. And, and my point is, is, it's not just the defenders. If his system was that good, he has players at City that should be able to point it out. Like, he has really, really, really good players at City. Yes. All right, yeah, their defenders are crap, but, like, they didn't lose this game 4-3 or 5-4. It's not like they got outscored because their defenders are crap. And, like, you know, they were like, oh, we're playing really well, but our defenders are crap, so we we conceded 5 and we um, we lost 5-4. They lost 4-0. And... It comes down, uh, you know, they're in fifth place, and and I said it last show, like, if we started the season again right now, I think City, out of the top six, would finish sixth. And why is that? Because, well, like, at, at a certain point, Pep isn't adapting to, to England, maybe because he can adapt to England. And, I mean, but, them missing out on the Champions League would be a huge failure. I would love it. Huge failure. But, Maybe he can't adapt to England because maybe he's not such a good manager because, you know, maybe his tactics were just, you know, we're talking about a person. He's taking over a team that has motivational issues. That's never been, you know, City have always signed people. They've always, they're, they're players they've always signed because they paid them a boatload of money. So it's, these people are not loyal to Manchester City, they're loyal to the pound or the dollar or the euro or whatever you're paying them. Mm-hmm. That's always been the case, which is why we saw when they first won the league the next year, they offered up like the worst title defense ever. Not ever, but I mean, Leicester's doing that. But they, <laughs> they, yes. they pretty much let United run away with that title. And then they won the title, you know, the following year or something. And then Chelsea ran away with the title. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, they, they don't really have the motivation. Think about his other teams. Bayern Munich. They ran away with the title, but that's because there was literally no other team in Germany that could challenge them. Mm-hmm. You know, they caught... They, they literally took... When he first got there, they took their 
their biggest opponent, their biggest competitor, they took their best player. The following year, they took their best striker. So they literally just raided Dortmund out of everything. The following year, Dortmund just had a down year. No one even presented a challenge in Germany. But they couldn't do anything in the Champions League because they would win the league in April. And even the Bayern Munich player said it was it was hard because like we switched off in the league and it was hard to just switch back on for the Champions League. That's on your manager. Mm-hmm. That's your manager can't motivate you. And we're seeing now that your manager, that Pep can't motivate the City players. And now go back to Barcelona because that's a different story. Who played for Barcelona when he was there? Uh, Xavi and Iniesta in their prime. Yeah, well, yeah. But think about all right. Think about it. Bayern Munich just literally had a more talented squad than anybody else. Yes, because the, they the just so buy you make and that, everything that's good in Germany. Right. So you make that work. In Barcelona, he had a bunch of players that came up through the Barcelona academy, mm-hmm. and whether uh, and. At Barcelona, you were always pushed by Real Madrid. But those players came up through their academy. You know, they they knew Barcelona versus Real Madrid. They knew we want to overtake Real Madrid. So if Real Madrid keeps winning, Barcelona keeps winning. And, they're you know, they're being pushed is because they understand everything. They understand why we want to overtake Real Madrid because they grew up in it. They grew up in the academy. You know, like, think about it like this way. Um, the United Academy players, like, when they get out on the field against Liverpool, they want to win that game so badly. You could, you could tell Marcos Rojo, oh, United-Liverpool is a big game, but, you know, wherever he came from, they, there's a derby too. But like you, every derby is different. Every rivalry is different. So you could play Arsenal Tottenham. That's not necessarily the same thing as as Liverpool Everton or United Liverpool. But the players at Barcelona, they grew up, you know, wanting to overtake Real Madrid. And Real Madrid, even as Barcelona was so dominant and they'd win the quadruple and the sectuple and everything, like they would win the they would win La Liga by like two points. You know, Real Madrid was pushing them to the brink, so they never had that issue of we switched off for the league and we couldn't switch back on for the Champions League because they're also chasing Real Madrid's record of ten European Cups and everything. Yeah. So there's always that at Barcelona they were always chasing something, but the players were hungry for it. And at Bayern Munich it was just our players are more talented than everybody else, and by April you know, they switched off. And now at City, you're taking over a bunch of players that aren't really motivated and you're struggling to motivate them and your tactics aren't working. Hmm. And you're in six... You're, frankly, you're in sixth place because it took Jose Mourinho four months to figure his, his crap out. Fifth. Right, you're in fifth place because yes. it took Jose Mourinho months to figure his crap out and eventually he'll overtake you. Hmm... We'll see. We'll see. United do I mean, what if they I had can. To make a call, if I had to make a call right now, I'd say United finished fifth, City finished sixth, and top four is the way it is in some order. Mm. I would like to see United sneak into that fourth spot at least. 
I mean, I would love for them to sneak into that four spot. Yeah. I still think the route to the Champions League is through the Europa League. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're about, what, a month away from that? Ooh. Yeah, we'll get to that when we get there. Uh, Burnley, guess what? They won at home again. Won at nothing. That's what they do, man. Over Southampton. Joey Barton on his uh, first game back. Scored the goal. Scored the goal, yes. See, like, here's the thing about Joey Barton is I feel like he's the anti-Sam Allardyce. Like, I feel like I feel like Sam Allardyce is always involved in the relegation battle and he pulls his team out of it. And I feel like Joey Barton is always involved in the relegation battle and they always, on the final day, they get relegated. <laughs> uh, no. Yes. I got to look yes. here. Okay, yes. so he, he went... He relegated he, a lot. Not that much. He, he got relegated with Newcastle. Okay. He, he got, got relegated with QPR on the final day of the season. Yeah, and that's it. All right, but that was a big game. They blew a 3-1 lead and the title. And then he was... That was a, that he, was a big day in my life. He was with... Um, he was with Burnley when they won promotion, but then he left. He was with Burnley when they won promotion? Yes. When? Last year? 15, 16, yeah. What? Yes. And then he went to Rangers, but then uh, something happened with Rangers. I There was some yeah, they got Emerson talk, Hidden. talk about him uh, betting on games and stuff, which it's a no-no. Um, and now he's back with Burnley. I mean, he won them this game. I, just, I feel like Joey Barton just gets relegated every year and then just finds a new team. But that's not true, though. Because he's only played for a city, Newcastle. Perception is everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perception is everything. Yeah. See, Manchester City should have stayed there. He would have been a homegrown player. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many people... I mean, that's way too much to look at now, but actually seeing what players has come through the academy at Manchester City and where they are now. I, I still feel like like United have supplied all the players for the bottom of the league. Well, they they usually do a pretty good job at their like if they don't cut it at United, they will at least end up in right. They'll another, end up in a team in the in fifteenth. Yeah, either in the Premier League or in the Championship. Yeah, fifteenth to twenty fifth. Yeah. Um, okay, let's. Uh, but yeah, Burnley still uh, all but one points coming at home. Uh, they're in tenth place. Uh, that's fine. That's fine for Burnley. Like, just keep up this pace. Get oh, forty no, it's, points. It's not fine. Out. It's great. Right. Because you're still getting your points. Yep. Stoke. They uh, took a three to one win over Sunderland. So they're sitting one spot above Burnley in ninth. They will take on Manchester United in their next game. Uh, Sunderland, second to last, 15 points. Same as Swansea are sitting at the bottom. But Crystal Palace, only one point ahead there, right above the drop. I'm surprised you didn't actually bring up what happened with this game. What are you referring to? That I actually picked Stoke and then and then texted you guys saying, I need oh, to change my oh, pick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
and, and said, I'm sorry, I just I love Sunderland this yep. game because Sunderland had been beyond sneaky good at home since October yeah. or since November. They The only losses at home came to like Arsenal United and they lost to Chelsea 1-0. They were racking up points left and right and Stoke like, couldn't pick up a point to save their life. Nope. But then someone told Marko Anacevic that it was, that it was like <laughs> January of 2016 and not 2017. And... Boom, there you go. Yeah, Arnautovic, two goals there. He, you know, by far his best He was playing like there was a summer tournament this week. Yeah, really. I mean, he's been invisible throughout the whole season, and then he goes and do this. And then Peter Crouch turning back the clock. Scoring a header. How old is Peter Crouch? I don't know, but that's not, like, people People forget, like, that's not a Peter Crouch thing. Oh, no, he's, he doesn't really he's horrible. Matters. He's, a, he's horrible yeah, at heading. He's horrible in the air. Yeah. He's a foot guy. He's a Let's foot see. guy. He turns, uh, he's 35. He turns 36 on the 30th. He's old. Old as fuck. <laughs> he's the same age as Ibrahimovic. Jeez. Yeah. I'm telling you, Slatan is the fittest 35 year old in the world. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not arguing with you on that. I will not. Uh, you're, you're right. Yeah, looking at the scoring race, though. Slatan, 14 goals, same as Diego Costa and Alexis Sanchez. And then Harry Kane, 13. Jermaine Defoe, who scored for Sunderland in the Lost Stoke. 12 That's goals. Can't, can't stop, won't stop scoring. 12 goals. I mean, it's, uh, it's no wonder that Big Sam wants him. Big Def- Sam wants little Jermaine. I mean... Well, at that pace, though, he could basically single-handedly make sure that Sunderland stays up. If well, they... this is what we said two weeks ago. Yeah, this yeah. is what we said when 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 West Ham came and West Ham ended up offering six million for Jermaine Defoe and and uh, Sunderland rightfully told them to go to hell because yeah. the guy's worth about a hundred million. Yeah. He's worth. He is literally worth to them however much money they will make on that TV contract next year. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, it's astonishing that he can do that, too, because, I mean, the the rest of the team is nowhere near playing at his level. Yeah. They are so poor. <laughs> and, like, he's not that good of a no, striker. No, <laughs> no, he's not, but he finds the back of the net, and that's all you can ask for, really. Uh, quick note, Watford played scoreless draw against Middlesbrough. And um, <laughs> that game might not have actually happened. Yeah, I mean, really, whatever. Uh, let's get to it then. Uh, the marquee matchup, call it whatever you want. Super Sunday, Manchester United won, Liverpool won. What did you make of this game? Uh, tension. Tension, yes. Yeah, I mean, I expected, I didn't expect much out of this. I. I thought they played pretty well. I thought United played pretty well. It was unfortunate that Pogba decided to dab inside the penalty area and, you know, handle the ball. And then James Milner steps up and sinks his, what, sixth penalty of the season? Yeah, six. He's six for six. I mean, like, how tone deaf do you have to be, though? Like, all right. So they launched the – I hate making a big deal out of this, Mm -hmm. but – they launched that Pogba hashtag emoji thing. <laughs> okay, on Twitter, yeah. Wait, so how tone deaf 
do you have to be if you're Manchester United? How tone deaf do you have to be to put that on the goddamn advertising boards all game? Yeah. Like that's not a Pogba issue. That's like because if Pogba, if if somebody wants to do that with Pogba and pay him and and all that and all that, by all means, like you do you. But Manchester United should not be putting that on the board yeah. during. I mean, like what happens if like you're Michael Carrick and like you get the ball and, and you look up and and just beyond Antonio Valencia on the right flank, like you see Pogba. Like, do you need that on the advertising boards? Nope. No, you don't. Now, granted, Paul Pogba was pretty much invisible in this game. Um, I thought it was interesting that Antonio Valencia, and there were three things that stood out to me. Valencia and Rojo seemed to have no idea that Liverpool were a high-pressing team. Mm -hmm. Every time they got the ball, they seemed to be shocked that there was a man on them immediately. Like, right away. Right away, they were like, oh, crap, I have no time on the ball. And I was like, well, like, how have you not – how did you not know this coming in, that this is the way Liverpool play? And after 15 minutes, how did you not know it's going to keep happening? Because every time they got the ball, it just – it seemed like – especially in their own hat, it seemed like David De Gea was the next person to get the ball yeah. because they had no idea what to do with it. Number two was uh, good job by – Good job by Everton, uh, by Liverpool, to, you know, taking out Michael Carrick out of the game. I noticed that right away they had a man right on top of Carrick. Good job by Mourinho just getting him out of the game at halftime. Like, all right, like if they're going to take Carrick out of the game, we don't need him. The other one was down that left side, Liverpool had that right back who was 18 years old. So United decided, oh, let's send Anthony Martial at them, at him, and test him often. Good strategy, except for the fact that Liverpool had like two people helping him out. Mm -hmm. So every time Anthony Martial got the ball on the left side, there were three guys there. Like if he didn't beat him on the first move and he like held up play and allowed everybody to get back, you were going one on three. Like why not try the right side where you have Mkhitaryan and Valencia? And the last thing that I know, what the last thing to be pointed out was Manchester United at this point now, you're begging to go 4-4-2, and they would be so good, so good, if they played a 4-4-2 with Rashford and Ibrahimovic up front and uh, Ander Herrera and Pogba as the two because Herrera will get up and down and press, Pogba will get up and down and press, but, no, Pogba, won't, but Pogba won't press. Herrera will sit deep when we're attacking, Pogba will get deep when we're defending, Herrera will press, Pogba will get up in the attack. So you'll still have that balance, which both of them are perfectly capable of playing. And Rashford will be out there to stretch defenses. Zlatan can drop into the hole where he can just make his pretty passes all game. Because mm -hmm. he was passing the ball fantastically in this yeah. game. And this is it's like perfect. It's like you give the ball to Zlatan, he can turn, he can look around, he can he could play Rashford in deep, or he could play it out wide to Martial or Mikitarian or Mata or whoever's out there. And then once it gets out there, he gets to go into the box and you know be a striker. I mean, mm -hmm. this it's it's like it's so simple, Jose. Like just you know go four four two, like have Rashford stretch out defenses. That all of a sudden will give Zlatan so much room, and he can either shoot, he can do Zlatan things, or he can just make really pretty passes, which he is. Showing to be like United's best passer. Yeah, 
Yeah, Slatan got the game tying goal there, 84th minute uh, with a header from close range. Still had a lot of work to do on that header, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it, I thought it was really good. Like, his awareness, when that ball hit hit the post, Fellaini's header hit the post, mm-hmm. and Zlatan immediately, like, he started going for it, then saw, then saw Valencia there and was able to be like, all right, I'm not in a good spot. He took a step and a half back and then yeah. was like, yo, give me the ball and I'm going to score here. Mm-hmm. Like his his heads up awareness in the box on that play, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was important for United not to lose that game. Um, right. I just I feel like my my only issue was that I felt like Mourinho's gonna be like, well, I didn't lose. Like I played Liverpool twice, I didn't lose. Yeah. And and Mourinho is the one that turns not losing into a positive, and it's like, no, you didn't lose, but like we're not here to not lose. No. We're here to win. And if you look at the top six table in the mini league for the top six, United are fifth. They're only ahead of Arsenal. They have one win against the top six, and that's a one 0 win against Tottenham that they should have, uh, that they should have gotten a draw again. Mm-hmm. They should have drawn that game. And there's mm-hmm. just like, I mean, say what you want. It is. It, it's almost like a Michigan Ohio State uh, coaching thing. Like when, you know, like at Mich- if you're if you're the head coach of Michigan or Ohio State football, you can lose four games in a year. But if you beat the other, if, like if you're the Michigan coach and you lose four games and you beat Ohio State. Nobody cares. You know, you're just like, oh, great season. We beat Ohio State. It's like, say what you want about Louis Van Hall. Like, everybody was tired of him, and God only knows what happened. You know, everybody couldn't stand the guy. He beat Liverpool four times. Played him four times, he beat them four times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got a lot of things to look forward to here next weekend. Uh, We got a couple of FA Cup replay games. I don't know if we want to say anything about them or. Do you think they Liverpool, should all go as expected? They should. They really should. Even though Liverpool, Liverpool Plymouth could get interesting because the replay is actually at Plymouth. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, I mean, it's not a small stadium. It takes like eighteen thousand people, but it's, it's still... not about the, it's not about the size of the stadium. It's the size of the field. Yeah. League Two side. Let's be honest. Liverpool are going to play a, a thing with a capital. Uh, with a, uh, they're going to play a young squad again. Oh yeah. Especially with the League Cup looming next week. Yep. Yeah, I mean, having lost that first leg against Southampton, they uh, need to put some focus on that. Okay, well, uh, let's do our final thought, and then we'll get out of here. Do you want to start, or do you want me to start? Uh, You start, because I I got to think of your final thought. Oh, okay. Well, I was reading that um, Giroud is not tempted by China. He is determined to win the Premier League before he leaves Arsenal. Well, that's an issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty funny. Um, Giroud, he's a limited striker that has his moments of brilliance, as we saw with that wonderful goal, but he's also extremely wasteful. And he's not going to be your starting striker if you're going to go on and win the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'll just go out there. Juventus unveiled a new logo. Today. Oh, my God, it's so ugly. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. It's just nothing. I'm not even going to spend any more time on it. Yeah, it's terrible. It's absolutely horrible. I don't know why you would do that. Okay, as always, follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren, Polly's P. Questel WFAN. 
Give FanDraft Sports a follow as well, and we'll talk to you again later in the week, and we'll uh, see if we can get our previews, you know, our predictions better than we did this weekend because it was it was one of our worst weekends. You uh, yeah, we had four ga- four games each correct. Elliot had six, no correct results. So it was like normal. <laughs> no, it was it was bad. It was oh, bad. It's better than this. Oh, that's yeah. normal. Yeah. Okay, well, until next time, have a good one. Thank you.